to Books and Beyond with your hosts, Karen and Luisa. Join us for half an hour of information, entertainment, reading recommendations, and beyond. Brought to you by Auckland Libraries. I know this girl, and she works in a library, yeah. Standing there behind the counter. Kia ora, listeners. I'm here today with Margie Thompson. Kia ora, Margie. Kia ora, Karen. Margie is a journalist and author, and you'll remember, um, passionate listeners of our program, that Margie has been here recently talking about her book, Womankind, which is a wonderful book about kind women building communities. Her new book, Whale Oil, is a book about horrible men destroying. <laughs> <laughs> if not a community, one man's reputation, and potentially all of our communities. Actually, there is a woman in the gang of nasties, but I think <laughs> there's something very, very male, toxic male about a lot of what happens in this book. It's an interesting change, <laughs> shift of focus, Margie. Um, so um, it's a really perfect canvas, I was thinking as I was reading it, for you, Margie, with your talents, because, you know, it's a, a book which you write as an author who's experienced in telling people's stories. Um, so I might remind people that Margie is also the author, the co-author of um, All Blacks Don't Cry. And um, and a couple of other books, which I've read that one, but I haven't read The Good Doctor and the Resilient Farmer. But um, it's also a book that has a lot to say about journalism, about when something is journalism, when something's not journalism. It's one of the important themes in the book. When is it journalism? When is it slander? But I don't want to tell too much about the book because Margie will do a much better job. So, yeah. Whale oil. Thank you, Karen. It's it's really refreshing to to hear your your particular take on the on the themes of the book and um, on my achievements. Thank you very much. Um, I suppose I'll just start off by giving you an outline of what this what this particular book is about. It's it's been a long term project for me, and it's something that I feel really passionate about. It's the story of what I I think is we can safely describe as the worst case of cyberbullying in New Zealand and it concerns a man named Matt Blomfield who at the time the story opens was in his mid to late late 30s married two young children um, a businessman um, he'd been bankrupted a couple of years before the story, the story opens, but he was clawing his way back and had permission to work again, and life was ordinary. And then one morning he woke up and he found that he was the subject of a really nasty and extended attack on a blog called the Whale Oil Blog. And at that time, which was 2012, Whale Oil was the biggest blog in the country, the most successful. It had a readership of hundreds of thousands of people. And as Nikki Hager went on a couple of years later to reveal in Dirty Politics, was very, very significant um, politically influential and had a lot of credibility. And here he was, this, um, the blogger who ran Whale Oil Blog was Cameron Slater. Here um, Cameron Slater turned his attention to this man, Matt Blomfield, and began writing a long series of articles, well over a 100 over the next few months, um, that described Matt as being um, a pornographer, a fraudster, into drugs, um, an all-round nasty person. There was even an insinuation of paedophilia at one point. And Matt had, Matt, <laughs> I mean, imagine, just imagine if that happened to you and you knew that hundreds of, you know, thousands of people were reading this stuff about you and you knew it wasn't true. And not only were the articles appearing, but in the comment section to the blog was a 
chorus of people stepping in and and joining the fray and and um, responding, you know, making horrible comments about Matt and what a terrible person he was, and. And this stuff didn't just stay online. It, it bled into quickly bled into Matt's real life, and all his work opportunities fell away. A lot of his friends fell away. Yeah, also because he had his own company, and so therefore needed to keep re- work relationships. Um, you know what I mean? He wasn't he wasn't employed by someone. Of course, that could have been just as bad. They could have fired him. But he this ruining of his reputation made it mm. impossible for him to enter into new work opportunities. Oh, yeah. well, totally. And I mean, he because he was under the the um, control of the official assignee, which is the body that looks after people that have been bankrupted and um, eases their way back into the working world. So within a a few days of this Wailua blog, Matt got a phone call from the official assignee saying, you've got to stop work right now. And Matt said, why? And they said, because of the articles on whale oil. And Matt said, but they're not even true. But nevertheless, he was ordered to stop work. So all his sources of income stopped immediately. And I mean, it was disastrous. And and Matt didn't know why this was happening. You know, he did, he'd never met Cameron Slater. He hadn't even really heard of the Whale Oil blog. He kind of vaguely knew it was something perhaps related to the National Party or something like that. But he didn't. He he had no personal connection as far as he knew, and it was a mystery. And then he realised that that um, Cameron Slater was basing his articles on Matt's own material. He he was posting items that came from Matt's own database, and it quickly turned out that, in fact, that Cameron Slater had 10 years worth of Matt's digital data, his hard drive, and also four physical filing cabinets. And he was posting Matt's material, but altering it slightly to support the claims he was making about Matt. And anyway, I mean, it was, it was a, you can, it's easy to imagine how devastating that would be. Matt was beside himself. He didn't know what to do. And a legal friend of his said, well, you know, you're going to have to sue this guy or you're going to have... And, um you, know, you ask him to stop, and if he won't stop, you're going to have to take a defamation proceeding against him, and that's that's what happened. And at the same time, um, Matt, I mean, he had nothing to lose, and he had all the time in the world because he was prevented from working. He threw himself into the business of learning law. He had no background in law. He started reading judgments, went into court, watched what happened there, got a feeling of how it worked, and started drafting um, legal documents to try and get his right to work back, and and also to try and um, get a judgment against Slater that the things he was saying were not true. That was back in 2012 and at the end of last year, almost seven years after Matt began, he had a series of really significant victories where um, our High Court judge finally ruled that Cameron's defence in this matter was just not was not admissible, that he had no defence and at the same time the Human Rights Review Tribunal which Matt had gone, that's the Privacy Commission process um, that had also taken many years came out and said that what Slater had done was a, was a character assassination and uh, was not journalism and uh, awarded $70,000 worth of damages that Slater had to pay Matt, which he'll probably never pay. He won't pay because no, in the meantime he's, he's been, been dang- bankrupt yeah. himself. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a long, I mean, incredible process. And, I mean, the thing is that many people have been slandered on that blog. And I uncovered, I mean, I talked to quite a, f- to quite a few people in the course of the book because although it's Matt's story, I was really, really concerned about the sort of the general context that, the, that Matt's story happened in. And so I did talk to quite a few other people who had also been attacked on the blog. And, I mean, some people had made attempts to try and stop 
the harassment and and um, and that had only brought the wrath down to an even greater extent. Uh, no one else had taken it through the courts the way Matt did. It, it was, and you can kind of see why it was a seven-year effort, cost hundreds of thousands of dollars that Matt simply didn't have. I mean, everything he earned went into that. Yeah, when you say and, you, yeah. you think you, you know, you you do kind of see. I think actually you you do an under service to your book because the book really, I thought it laid out quite clearly many of the reasons why this was a seven-year. Um, struggle and there is a line in the book that I, I just want to quote because I loved it so much where it says um, it might have remained just a storm in a pizza box so we haven't mentioned that one of Matt's big clients was in, in collaboration uh, his collaboration was with Hell Pizza so it might have just remained a storm in a pizza box a small tale of a falling out within a company that is itself small in the scheme of things but there is something operatic about this story the conjunction of large personalities overblown human qualities and a litany of sins that sounds like a hell menu greed ambition lies betrayal revenge and i couldn't you know Mm. when i read that the operatic quality i actually thought what came to my mind was shakespearean it's a a term that i quite like when you get these you know king lear (laughs) raging against the elements but he brought it on himself um, and there is that wonderful Shakespearean line about who steals my purse, um, steals trash, but who steals my good name, uh, does something truly dire to me, which is, of course, what Matt um, laudably was actually struggling to do and possibly why it, it was so unsupported by the what mechanisms were available to him um, was to protect his good name hmm. and his family, isn't it? Just a basic thing that any of us would want. Yes, absolutely. Actually, actually, you reading that quote about Hell Pizza reminds me that I should go back and just explain, give people an idea of, I mean, because the question mark is why was Slater doing this? And it became apparent, as um, as as I talk about in the book, that, that Matt was the victim of a conspiracy. And the conspiracy is one of those words that we just naturally bristle when we hear it. We, we feel suspicious and doubtful. But, I, but there's no other word for this. There was a group of people that got together they employed Cameron Slater and um, supplied him with all Matt's um, stolen material. And that was because yes, one, one of Matt's major clients had been Hell Pizza. He'd had a close working relationship with that company for several years. And, and, a, and a close working relationship with one director in, in particular. And they'd fallen out just around the time of Matt's, Matt's bankruptcy. And it turns out that it was that director who had... Um, had access to Matt's hard drive and, and filing cabinets and had supplied them to mm-hmm. uh, a little cohort of people, including Cameron Slater. And together, that cohort of people, um, they formed a group called Operation Bumslide and they got together and plotted all the lines that they were going to take against Matt in this campaign. And so it was it was literally a conspiracy um, revolving around this stolen material. And so Matt uh, immediately, of course, went to the police and said this guy you know this this blogger is putting up material it's stolen material what can you do to help me and it turned out the police um, would do nothing they they um, took a couple of weeks they made one phone call to Cameron Slater never went to, to interview him um, and came back and said to Matt sorry his, what he's doing isn't illegal it might be immoral but there's nothing we can do about it 
It was even worse. He sees, there's a part where it tells how he's forwarded an email between internal police operatives, um, whether or not this needs to be reviewed after it's been going on for some time with no action from the police. And he can see in the email subject line that the policeman forwarding it on is saying, this guy's bothering us again. Sigh. Yeah, yeah. Well, over many years, Matt yeah. made many attempts to engage their interests yeah. and, and found uh, that they weren't interested at all. And, and it becomes quite clear that, that part of that reason was because they believed the things that were being written on whale oil. There's some evidence about that, and that's deeply shocking, you know, that the organisations, the structures in society that are set up to protect us are as vulnerable to believing what they read on the internet as anybody else's. That's very concerning. And, you know, if you'd asked me, I mean, maybe you are going to ask me, but, but whether I think things have changed, because this was back in 2012, and there have been some significant uh, structural changes, you know, that now enable us to take our complaints about cyberbullying to certain bodies like NetSafe. But if you'd asked me whether I thought that the police had changed their attitudes, I, pro- I would have said, well, probably they have. But actually, I just heard a week or two back of a case of a Samoan journalist, Lani Young, who's been horribly bullied, uh, and, and in some ways is a more um, classic victim of cyberbullying than Matt. Matt's a Pākehā businessman. Lani Young is a Samoan journalist. Um, she's had a horrible time on on um, social media. She went to the police and the police basically, she tweeted this, she said um, the police told her that if she was to stop writing the kinds of articles that attracted this kind of attention, maybe she would be safer. You know, are you yeah. blaming her for the for the um, abuse that she was receiving? Yeah. So I'm not I'm not actually sure they have learnt very much from yeah. all this. Also, we have you know. a right to I feel hold them to a higher standard. I mean, I know we all have that tendency because I personally remember vaguely when this was happening on whale oil and the name Matt Blomfield, but um, I not in the same way. I did not. I immediately identified um, Cameron Slater. <laughs> I was going to think of all kinds of terrible words. I'm not sure how many of them I'd want to use on. But it's a real piece of dirt. And it wasn't because of what he was saying, but it was more in my case. I didn't get outraged and talk about it with people and make sure it was a conversation piece because of the way I identified Matt as belonging to a marketing sort of parasites on society, make money off of advertising, rich people who buy Maseratis and expensive suits and hang on on Ponsonby Road going into the whiskey bar. So to me, um, I'm ashamed to say I, you know, I. I took the surface, I went from the surface, um, but I remained at the surface level. But you, Mm. police are not allowed to do that. I shouldn't have been allowed to do it either. I'm glad to say, you know, I'm happy to say that. But I also was not responsible for uh, protecting people in society. Mm. And the the story that comes out against the police is really dreadful. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean... It's interesting that you that you you say what you've just said about you know that how we we all carry our prejudices about different social groups, people that are different from ourselves, and that's natural. But of course, you know nobody ever conforms entirely to a stereotype. I mean, I, I guess it's true to say that when I first heard about Matt's story, I, I probably had some of the same feelings as you. And so many awful things have been said about him online as well that I just had a sense of of real weariness. And so when I came to start getting to know Matt and to start looking into his case, I myself went on a journey of of discovery about the, who he was and also this this awful situation that he was in. And, you know, I had my moments of doubt as well. But, um, you know, were, 
so many things have been said about him that I, I kind of had an awful feeling of, well, there can't possibly be all this smoke without some fire. And there must be some, tr- some truth to this, maybe even just a little bit of truth in this. But in fact, there was no truth in this, as the High Court judge found at the end of last year. And so, you know... <sighs> I think it's, it sort of behoves us all to, to pay attention because what can happen to one person in this world can happen to anybody and the lack of support that Matt found is, is the lack of support that any of us would find if someone turned against us yeah. and used that very powerful social tool against against somebody else. It's also a really um, uh, involving part of the read of the book is the way that Matt grows as a person during these seven years. So if at the beginning he's trying, he just wants the thing to stop. He's not really going into it more deeply that he actually goes through... Um, hell <laughs> it's the bigger word of it and in particularly in this um you know you do a really good job of non-business people trying to get an understanding for what it would have been like for someone in his position um you know this this terrible thing that really resonated with me was this discussion about matt being in the club and then being put out of the club so he was a in a way an enfant prodige wasn't he a bit of a prodigy really had a talent he captivated people like Stephen Tyndall. Mm-hmm. They could see he had lots of good ideas. And uh, he was riding high. And then through this this horrible encounter with this, which I continue to say, you know, when you say there was a conspiracy behind it, there were also payments involved. It's, how much hasn't been proven, but we do know that Cameron Slater has definitely been proved he accepted payment for blog articles he pretended were just, you know, written by spontaneous by him. That um, he, you know, he found himself in this with all the doors closed to him and all and friends dropping off. He talks about having, you know, the small circle of friends who stuck by him. And you can just imagine how many people someone like that knew and how many he saw not answering his phone calls. And he's very self-aware. He, he, well, he grows in self-awareness, doesn't he? It's a voyage. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And I mean... <laughs> Uh, that was part of the journey I went on, I guess, was, was uncovering, you know, who he was and what made him who he is. I mean, I consider Matt a really dear friend now. I've got to know him well over the last few years. And he, you know, he came from the School of Hard Knocks, really tough upbringing um, and a really narrow definition of success. And that's not his fault because there's a lot in our world that tells us all that the definition of success is the big house, the big bank account, you know, the flash suit, all that kind of stuff. And and that's totally what he, you know, he bought that idea. He came down to Auckland and was very successful for a few years because he, he is a human dynamo, really. He's an incredible brain and lots of zest and energy and, and has, has the ability to solve problems for people and so that made him a very successful business consultant and an innate marketer even though he had no training you know he's just able to sort of take on this stuff and solve problems for people and and you know that's probably what got him into trouble he said yes to to you know too too enthusiastically and too naively at times but then over the course of this thing I think he start began to realize the things that are really important you know he says himself he was very externally focused to begin with you know he thought the things that mattered were what people thought of you, how the world viewed you. And through this horrible experience, he came to realise that that's, that's not what's important at all. And and although he was definitely fighting for himself, he, he had no choice about that, he really began to develop this 
his campaigning zeal. He knows how many other people have suffered from this this kind of stuff, and he doesn't want it to happen to anyone else. And so, you know, he he became a he became not a different person because he always had a you know a, a sort of a an awareness of of social issues and and the world. But he became a less self obsessed person, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, there's also you know when you say fighting for himself, um, fighting for his family as well. Let's um, put that Huge, out there because yeah, yeah there is there is some you know you need to read the book people but um you know it put his family in danger and um they had to go live in a motel there were death threats there were death threats um, and there was worse uh, home invasion an armed attack armed attack yeah Yeah. which Uh, they were very lucky to survive actually it is actually Mm. really admirable um you know the strength of this family and staying together and the children got involved in terrible ways and um particularly um by the horrible cameron slater but um you know the thing is this when you say that the story got so you know it was a conspiracy but it got so big it is related to all of those good qualities that Matt has which is that you know i've got, i'm going to stop this um i'm not going to say it's impossible i'm going to you mm. know i've 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 got to do it and um you know the part about the status symbols as i get older i've really started to be careful about judging other people by their status symbols we all want rewards for when we've worked hard and we've done something good and you know someone else's status symbol might not be yours and i I, you know, as I say, I, I accuse myself of having, um, you know, looked too superficially at um, at this story. So um, the thing that really um, I found very, very timely, I'm sure many people will reading the book, is of course Trumpian use of social media and the beast, the feeding the beast aspect, isn't mm-hmm. it? It mm-hmm. was kind of ahead of its time and in a small country at the bottom of the world, but now being talked about everywhere. So there are issues for all of us in this. There are the clear issues that we see in Matt's story where he was unsupported and there was nowhere really to go for help. And Slater was able to go on writing this stuff and and the chorus of hatred against Matt was allowed to continue. And that's that's incredibly concerning. And what's a, I mean, an aside issue to that, although it's kind of pretty central to the, to the book, is is the uh, validation that we as a culture gave to Slater in that in that situation. So it's not only that he you know he had this very successful blog. He also won a really significant media award as best blogger of the year. And you can imagine how as many victims felt about that. And one of the women that I interviewed who had been victimised, you know, when she saw that he had won that award she you know it it re-traumatized her all of again she thought that society in general had given him the sanction you know to just do what he wanted so there are there are there are system issues in there and that we need the protections of bodies like the police and net safe and the courts but there are actually issues for us as individuals i believe and because in the meantime as we wait for the systems to come and you know sort out you know the the way that these massive social media platforms operate there are ways that we can we can think about it as individuals things that we can do and and you know if if you go onto any any comment stream um and you'll see some pretty incendiary comments usually they might be really racist 
or um, you know they, they might really trigger you in some way and and I know myself when I see things like that I, I instantly feel this kind of rage and I and I and I and I feel the the feeling that I want to respond in kind and I think that this this kind of the ease of responding in that way inflates this whole area and and so I think that there's things that we can do as individuals to just lower the tone and to try and listen to each other and and um, de-escalate those emotions that, that we see in so many comment streams. There's a, there's a really amazing program going at the moment uh, run by Action Station called Tau Iwi Totoko and it encourages, it trains volunteers to go into comment streams like that and de-escalate using empathy and um, <laughs> trying to engage with people in a less less emotional way because what you see on the comment streams relating to Matt for instance is just this incredible inflation it's hatred on hatred on hatred if you have a calmer voice come in there it can really make a difference Mm. and bring things down so I mean that's 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 a small thing but it's something that we as individuals can Mm. think about and I think it's good to have a little tool to take away you know something that we can take responsibility for it is that mob mentality isn't it that um absolutely and in a way what's terrible is that the mob mentality is actually a bad term in some ways because it releases of responsibility to those people who would say you can find people in the book saying oh yes I would just check in the blog because Cameron sometimes has some interesting things and we know he had ends with the National Party and Judith Collins was giving information but it's that same thing about giving attention so the um the number of hits on the page doesn't matter whether you're going I don't believe him but I'm just checking in or whether you're actually one of his supporters and I find myself in my little way (laughs) trying to I see the clickbait comes up on your screen you can't help it and you go oh I might just go see what that horrible person has to say and then I go no that's another hit and I already know what he has to say whatever he has to say is going to be false and terrible and so I've got to hold back and it reminds me of you know Jacinda Ardern and and Christchurch and the thing about we're not going to say his name you know yes Yes, yes, that, that's that's, that's really true. That is, that's definitely another awareness you know that we can have about the way this all works. Yeah, one click doesn't matter if it's positive or negative; it's a click. Yeah, he was. Yeah. When I saw that thing about mm. the media award, I too was just so shocked. I didn't actually know that. Yeah. Um, mm. So I guess. I guess for me, the Matt Blomfield story, it's an incredible story itself. It's full of, you know, all those qualities that you mentioned in that quote, you know, the greed, the ambition. But actually, for me, the reason that I was happy to work on it for as long as I did, and it took me nearly four years, was because it, it, it kind of encapsulates so many of these themes and issues that are crucial to us in our world today. So there's, you know, there is this, the social media thing and how we, how we work on that. There's the whole issue of journalism and, you know, what is journalism in this? era when anyone can can publish anything you know there's the responsibilities within our system is it working is it purposeful is it purpose built for this new world because most legislation that protects us uh, was actually written well before the internet and that's part of the problem that, that we talk about in this book you know with defamation law for instance it's very hard to get a quick quick um Judgment, yeah, judgment. Even though your 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 reputation is damaged and slandered so instantly, so there's a lot of diff- there's a lot of kind of really, to my mind, fascinating things that we all kind of talk about just as you know with our friends that they're encapsulated by by Matt's story. Yeah, if you are a um, a realist of the type, um, things certainly don't seem to be getting better. 
<laughs> then you find a lot of reasons in the book. You know, so there's the blog. We're already, as we mentioned before, there's the discussion. Is this journalism? Can you put forth information which is not backed up by facts that you possess or not? Well, sometimes it's not journalism, so you can. These are, you know, this is the way to get around it. Sometimes it is. When you want it to be, it is. When you don't want it to be, it isn't. Blogs have sort of died now. They've gone into that category of the, you know, the chat room and so on. But now we have social media and we have Twitter and we have these terrible trolling that happens on social media. So in that way, it's not getting better. At the same time in the book, there is a positive story of the people who stepped forward, like the lawyers that helped Matt. That is just so uh, inspiring, you know. The yeah. and um, and and that's part of Matt's Matt's personal growth story. Actually, is the, is the people that he's become really close to in the in the process of this. So, one of those people is Nikki Hager, who he's become very close to and, and has been a great supporter. Um, yeah, but yes, that's that's absolutely right. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to put out there. Um, we're coming to the end, and I really wanted to tell you this, Margie, on air, <laughs> which was that I left the reading as happens oh i've got my whole weekend to read the book and then you can't you don't and i when i started reading it and i had very small amount of time left i thought oh well i'll read the whole beginning i'll read the whole and i'll flip through the middle i actually could not flip past a single page i found every the story was so um it brought such passions of me to the surface and was such an interesting insight into so many things happening today that we that buzz by us and we're aware of them but we're not always aware of, and what the book makes so clear is how actually these things can be happening to any of us. Tomorrow we could turn around and it's us. We all, even if we think we don't have a reputation to protect because we're not that important, not that rich, we actually all have things that we've done which are less than perfect. And I, I found it a moral and exciting, a, um, a all-encompassing work that I'm going to highly recommend once more and because our time is up I'm also going to have to say thank you so much for coming in thank you Karen thank you I really appreciate it brought to you by Auckland Libraries. Find us online at aucklandlibraries.govt.nz and catch the program next Sunday at 9.35pm on 104.6 FM or anytime online at planetaudio.org.nz slash books and beyond. Every day, 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 every day,